Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Psalms of David, as they are oftentimes referred to, Psalms of David, although David didn't write all of them, but the Psalms of David, Psalms chapter 42, Psalms chapter 42 here today, amen. Bless his name. Psalms 42, and I just want to read a few verses here of Psalms 42, starting with verse number one, just a few verses of scripture, amen, here this evening. The Bible says, as the heart panteth. After the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day, that kept holy day. David's, David's kind of desperate here. He's desperate. He's hungry. He's desirous of something. And it seems like the thing that he is desirous after is after his God, to be in the presence of his God, to have a time again that he can interact with his God. Amen. Let's ask the Lord to help us this evening. Father, I love you. I appreciate you, Jesus, in this place. Oh, Lord God, every individual, Lord, that sits under the sound of my voice, God, let there be something, Lord, spoken and said from your word that will, God, be of some benefit to our lives. Pray, oh God, that you have to anoint my mind and my lips, God, to be able to speak with clarity here this evening. I pray, Jesus, today, God, prick us, Lord. Prick us, Lord Jesus, in our hearts tonight. God, and we'll give you the praise and the glory for whatever it may be, Jesus, that you accomplish and do, Lord, through this. God, we'll love you and thank you for it in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen and amen to the church. Say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in the lovely name of the Lord. Hallelujah. This is all inspiring to me to be able to read the words of David as we would get a little bit insight to his desire, a little insight to his hunger for the things of God. The reason why that this is all inspiring to me is because there was enough things that had happened in David's life that he could stack up as excuses to deter him, if you might say that, deter him and alter his path from the direction of the Lord. Yet as it would seem, David, in a time when he's necessarily not in the house of the Lord right now, he's not in the tabernacle in or around the synagogue, though his feet may not be planted in the sanctuary at this time, he's saying, that's where I wish my feet were at right now. David's saying, although I'm not right now within where the cloud is filling the presence of the Lord, that's where I wish I was. He wasn't at this time saying, just give me another pasture that I can look over the sheep at or a bubbling brook that I can find some refreshing from. 
But wherever he is stationed at this point of time, his desire and the very wrenching of his heart is toward the things that be of God. And that's all inspiring to me. He had experienced many things in his life. He had experienced success. He had experienced the success of a warrior just as well, if not better than any man that walked in natural shoe leather of his day. Yet he says, if there's one thing that I desire right now, it's not to have, not to have the, the boasting of another war that I've accomplished or won. It's not to have another bear head, if you will, or lion's paw sitting around the house, but it's to be in the presence of the Almighty God and to somehow find myself in His house. I guess another reason why this evening I find this all inspiring because it's very contradictory to the world in which we live today. I believe perhaps the mentality of society and even sometimes the church at large today is that you would find people being in the house of God wishing they were other places. You find people sitting in the house of God wishing that they were home in the easy chair or perhaps that they were on vacation somewhere or perhaps watching their favorite show or eating at their favorite restaurant. And so I guess why this is so awe-inspiring to me, David, with opportunity of not being in the house of God at that point in time says, right now there's no place I would rather be than in the presence of the Almighty God. He even goes on to describe it to the degree, he says, as a heart or a deer panteth after the water brooks. So, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. That deer that's in the wild that may be in between places of refreshment or water that after travel and traversing the land, its tongue is hanging out of its mouth. Its breathing is becoming heavy. Amen. What it is desiring is a water brook of refreshing, a water brook of regenerating for its physical body. And so David says, I'm just like that deer. Between the last time I left God's house till I get back there, I'm traversing some land and I am in deep need. I am absolutely just overtaken by a desire to get back to a place where I can be renewed and refreshed and overwhelmed by the presence of the Almighty God. Amen. Because the hour that we live in, and this is, this is not to anyone tonight. This was here before anybody else got here. But I read in an article just this week, Brother Mason, that by and large, again, this is for no one but just information, by and large in America, churches across America, that there are only 5% of the churches in America today that still have a Sunday evening service. 5% of churches all across America that just still have a Sunday evening service. That doesn't describe to me that we're so busy that we can't fit in another service. That doesn't describe to me, that doesn't describe to me that we don't need another service. What that describes to me is a people that somehow satisfied a longing, a desire and a hunger for something else than God's house. Amen. I want to be the deer that's panning after the, I want to be a soul that's thirsting for God, the living God. I want to come and appear before the Lord. David said, if there's a multitude that I'm following, it's not the multitude to the next little festival that has nothing to do with God's house, but if there's a multitude that I'm following, you'll find me following the multitude that's marching their way to Mount Zion. You'll find me among the masses that's on the way to Jerusalem to be in the presence and among the presence 
of God. Amen. I just read just recently this week also in a newspaper that many of us perhaps get. I don't know if it was the weekender or not. Uh, our newspapers kind of dwindled down to whatever. But in, the, in one of the papers that you get in the mail, it told of the history of a church that's in 145, 140 some odd years old that's closing the doors out in the country. And they're closing the doors to open the doors to another assembly coming in and going to take ownership of their building. But 140 some odd year history of existence. Amen. And as they told that, they began to talk about those who were some of the great patriarchs of their assembly and people that had started that church and built that church and people that went door to door selling things in order to raise a structure or, or put some mortar and brick down for that assembly and in that article it read this very simply that some of those that were leaving that assembly that just dwindled down to a few numbers and let me tell you this it breaks my heart anytime I see a church of any denomination close it breaks my heart I mean it almost brings tears to my eyes to think that there's a place that in some similitude try to uplift the name of Jesus that their doors are closed because that spells magnitudes to me concerning the society in which we live and so it spoke about their doors being closed although another church coming in it said though some of those people that were left could trace their family heritage all the way back to some of those first people that helped erect that church building 140 some odd plus years later in that if anything folks that within itself is enough is enough to keep the house of God open if it's just for the saving of your very own family 145 years later generations later there's still some people that's in that church that's enough to tell me let me hunger let me thirst let me have the insatiable desire for the things of God if for no other reason for my family my family Our, the problem of our day is this. It's not that we are easily dissatisfied, but we're too easily satisfied. We're too easily satisfied. We have a little attention span, and sometimes we, we've regularly, we regularly sometimes, you know, we just make things work that should not be working because we're too easily satisfied. We learn to adjust. We learn to adjust to things that the thing should be altered. But we're just too easily satisfied. Hey man, we don't confront some things because it's okay. No big deal. We learn how to avoid certain things because we're just too easily satisfied. David said, I'm not going to be satisfied with a substitute. David said, I'm not looking for an alternative. David said, I'm not looking for second best. I won't be satisfied till I get to his house. I won't be satisfied till I feel his presence. Folks, it should be no different in our hour. Let there be nothing take the satisfaction of God's house. Let nothing be a substitute for God's house, God's presence, God's people. Amen. God's word. Someone say amen. And so we still keep the church doors open on Sunday's night because I hope that there's still people 
that have a hunger and have a desire for the presence of the Lord. Amen. That says whenever Wednesday ends, I can't wait to get there Sunday morning. And whenever Sunday morning ends, I can't wait to get back to church Sunday night. And whenever Sunday night ends, I can't wait to get there on Wednesday because they are so caught up in this atmosphere and relationship of the presence of God. Nothing really else matters. They go to work, but somehow in a month's kid all, they're thinking about when they can get back to the house of God. That was the tenacity and the attitude of David. So why do we do this? Because I still believe we still need a proclamation of the word. To sound strongly and boldly in our world, our society, our community, in your families. Because the Bible says in 1 Samuel 3 and verse 21... The Bible says, and the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. For Samuel 3, 21. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. The Bible says the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. But more importantly, the Lord revealed himself unto Samuel by the word of the Lord. We need the house of God. We need the frequenting of the house of God. Our desire should be toward the house of God because whenever the word of God, this is not some other book. This is the only book in all of literature in all of the ages that have ever truly addressed the problem of mankind called sin. And it's the only book in all of literature in all of the ages that ever has given the answer to the problem of mankind called a savior. And through the proclamation of the word, there's a revelation that takes place when you gather here on Sunday morning and night and Wednesday and there's the preaching and the teaching of the word. What is going on in that moment? God is revealing himself to you through and by his word. And if we ever need a revelation of God, we need it now and we need it today. Because as long as sin is coming out of the closet, there needs to be a proclamation of the word so a revelation can come out. My soul pants after thee, O God. The word is self-revealing. We need the word of God. We need a fresh revelation this week of God than what we had last week. We need, a, we need a fresh revelation of God this week. Amen. Although you may have just got one last week. Because the, 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 the way that humanity ebbs and flows is this. Whatever we received last week will start to become owed to us this week. Someone say amen. Because whenever you're around it and you grow familiar with it, you lose your all of it. Uh-huh. You lose your all of it. Key examples of Benadab and his sons that had the ark of God that was brought in their presence in the, in the Bible, in the book of Samuel, was there for 20 plus years not to touch it, not to do this, not to do that. Very reverent of it. But after 20 plus years it went by. They were fine just putting it on a cart. Hey man, Hudson was fine just to stick out his hand and touch it. Why? Because he had been around it and that's great, but he had lost his all. He hadn't had a fresh revelation. Hey man of God and his, his spirit and his presence. So I need a constant appetite for the house of God and I need to go to the house of God to hear the word of God so I have a self a new revelation or fresh revelation of God so I won't grow familiar 
with the power of God. Been there, done that, you know, we'll say. Been there, done that. We'll allow ourselves, we'll get familiar with his presence. Get familiar with his word. Amen. I don't want that to happen. I, I want to be like just a young kid that everything that happens, man, it just kind of all strikes me. And I'm just bewildered by the presence of God. You know what I, I've been doing here lately, as I've already said, on Wednesday mornings, teaching home Bible study. I'm teaching all the way through the Bible to somebody. And on these Wednesday mornings, I'm just touching on things that are common to me, Brother Mason. Common to me. Probably by and large to many that said, and the sound of my voice very common to you amen you've been around it for years you've heard it preached and taught for years but I come to some of those little sections in Genesis wherever the curse came upon the serpent and said hey serpent you and your seed your head your, your head is going to be crushed amen your head is going to be crushed but to the woman and her seed her heel her heel is going to be bruised but your head's going to be bruised and I begin to talk about how those coats of skins was just a temporary covering amen for Adam and Eve but already through that curse God was talking about his son Jesus Christ that was going to take care of the issue at Eden all the way back at Eden and you see their eyes light up and they said I never knew that before I never seen that before and in that moment there is an awe and a wonder for God and I look into church family that's been around for 30 years and I could preach the same thing and they would shrug it off like no big deal what's the big deal? It was a big deal to you when you in the dregs of sin it was a big deal to you when you as father to over your alcohol. It was a big deal to you when you had all kinds of lust in your heart. It was a big deal then. Don't let it become less of a big deal now. I long, I pant, I thirst after God. If there was a man that ever experienced a presence, David did, but he was still just as wild by God's presence as he ever was. That's common to me. That's common to me. But lights lit up. Smile came across the face. And said, I'd never, I'd never do that. Yeah, from the very beginning, God already had a plan in place for you and me. Wow. Yeah, everybody doing all right? Just preaching today. Because I know without doubt, because I rub shoulders with people, there's a lot of frustrated preachers in pulpits that's trying to look for the, the vein of silver and the nugget of gold that they can bring on a Sunday morning or Sunday night to preach to their people because they've already heard all the general things that has been preached. And so they're searching for that little nugget, that little silver to what bring a wow factor to the people so that they'll respond, so that they'll say, man, that's good preaching. And we can't preach the blood of Jesus and remission of sins and get the same type of response. Shame on us. We shouldn't be frustrating no pastor in some church to dig so deep in this Bible to try to put this together and that together to have a wow factor for the people. Honey, when I walk in and I consider the cross and consider the blood, that should be a big enough wow factor for me. I should be able to preach repentance and that affects me just as much. Listen.
listen, this is no regard to anything that's went on over at South Kiss. I'm just preaching because I have pastor's friends. There's pastors changing churches because they're not getting the response that they think they should get to the word of God. And the reason why is not because the word isn't good and it's not because the preacher isn't preaching his heart out. It's because overall, society has lost their wow for the things of God. Has nothing to do with the message, nothing to do with the, the, the instrument, has everything to do with the recipient. They've lost their wow factor. Just people eating bugs and swallowing worms on TV. How somehow gets our little bungee jumping off a high place, gets it. And there's replacement. Our adrenaline and everything will pump for that but it lulls for the things of God. It should not be. It should not be. <laughs> John 5 and verse 33. Babe, if you can take me there. John 5 verse 33. Just give her a moment. She'll get it. She's quick. Look what the scripture says. This is concerning John the Baptist. I saved this really one day for somebody's installation if I preached one. But if it don't ever happen, I don't want it to die with me. He says, You sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. You sent John, you sent unto John, you bear witness to the truth. He says, But I receive not testimony from man. But these things I say, that you might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light. He's talking to this group of people. And ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. In other words, what the scripture is saying is this. John spoke the truth. He was a proclaimer and a declarer. He was declaring the word of God. He spoke the truth. He's described as a burning and a shining light of truth. And the Bible says the people that heard him were willing for a season to accept his message and accept his influence. And whenever John came preaching his message, when John came preaching this Bible, this truth, when he came preaching this unadulterated truth, no one gave support, yet he continued anyway. You know why? Because he was preaching the truth. He preached the truth because the truth was important. Why? Because the truth was what saved and John said, I can't quit preaching the truth just because it's not getting any support. Because if these people are ever going to be saved, it's going to be by the word of God. It's the truth of the salvation. He says he was the burning, shining light for a time, for a season, and you rejoiced in that light. But it wasn't always that way. Listen to me. This is what I hear. I'm just telling you. This is what I hear. People tell me, it's been in places maybe for 10 years. They say these words. They say, Brother McGee, the new has wore off. What are they saying? Their fresh voice, being in that and among those people, have wore off. Preaching the same word, the same gospel. It was enlightening. It was refreshing to then to begin with. But after a while, the new wore off. They got familiar with the message and the messenger and he's not considered the flaming, burning, shining light 
as he once was. And they leaned in and engaged for a season. Amen, which is natural. Seasons change. In other words, they're not leaning in like they once leaned in. But Jesus gave them very sound words of advice. He says, listen, you don't need the testimony of men in order to continue preaching, John. You don't need the testimony of men in order to keep preaching the truth because the message doesn't rise or fall on the support of the people. Amen, amen. But their salvation is absolutely directly tied to their response or their lack response to the truth of God's word. Whoa and behold, you're telling me my response to God's word helps in my salvation? You better believe it. You repented, didn't you? That was a response to his word. You got baptized in Jesus' name, didn't you? That was a response to the truth of God's word. You allowed that Holy Ghost to come inside of you and you began to speak with other tongues, didn't you? That's the truth of God's word. And so our response or rejecting of God's word, yes, is absolutely crucial to the salvation of mankind. Say, amen. I'm not trying to get in too close here. I'm just trying to preach here what I felt on my heart tonight because all I am is a dying man with a living message here. Amen. I'm just a dying man with a living message. Hearing, hearing is the problem. David says, I long for the presence of the Lord. I long for the tabernacle. Says he went with the multitude but he could have went all by himself if he had to. David had such an insatiable desire for the presence and the power of God. Hope everybody loves me. Okay, if you hate me, you're going to hate me more. My kids. I love them. Yes, you too. And probably anybody's kids. Let me just do that to not single mine out. They get that enough in life. Anybody's kids for the most part. Even in my observation. Even when we used to go preach at places that had young children. They act one way when it's mom and dad and everybody's around. And when somebody new shows up, I don't know what happens. If it's a switch behind their earlobe or down in their shoe or where it's at. But they just start really acting kind of flamboyant, really out there. We call it as parents, well, they're just showing off. Somebody new comes around, they just show off. Amen? Because mom and dad's mom and dad. They've been around since day one. They put me in bed to get me up. We eat together all the time around each other. Mom and dad's mom and dad. You have somebody new come in, man, they start to show off. My wife and I just kind of laugh at it because it's hilarious sometimes. Amen, what's taking place? Man, all this stuff that start happening, you forgot they even had in them until something new comes up. Someone new comes around and they start showing off. God help me. You all love me? God help me. Because I felt in the prayer room tonight God was talking to me about this. And he said, Pastor, he said, what happens in churches across America sometimes, you get somebody new that comes in and they're just like a bunch of kids. They'll show off when somebody new is around. And I'm not talking about a visitor. Because I was praying back there in the prayer room 
Help me, God. I was praying back there in the prayer room. I was talking to God about this sermon, some different things I just had floating in my mind and upon my heart. And I'm saying, God, you help me. And I'm praying back there, and I'm hearing a few voices here and there. And there's some others just sitting there. I don't know if they're meditating or whatever they're doing. And all this stuff is going on. And this actually entered my mind. Can I just be transparent? This entered my mind. I wonder if it would have the same type of influence or the same magnitude of prayer happening in this place if if if, if the superintendent of the assemblies, Lord Jesus Christ, Kenny Carpenter, was back back there in that prayer room. I bet if somebody heard come back there, oh God, this is Kenny, and started talking to God. If you heard Kenny Carpenter come in that prayer room back there and start praying, I guarantee you, you're going to ramp yours up just a little bit. Folks, I've been there. Man, I've went to too many churches and preached in too many places for the pastor to tell me, said, man, the people really like your preaching. Man, they've just come and glue this week. Let me tell you, it had nothing to do with me. I'm preaching the same, same word that that pastor preaches Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You know what it was? It was a new face, so the people just had to show off. Honey, let me get the, the attitude of David. Just take me to God's house. Take me to God's house. I don't care if it's Eleazar or if it's Aaron, the high priest right now. Just get me to God's house. Let me be in God's presence. Let me be overwhelmed by the magnitude of who he is. I don't care who's playing the course of the priest this week. Just get me to God's house. I've seen it. Folks, have I ever seen it? Walk into a prayer room. Walk into a prayer room as an evangelist. People, oh, Jesus, hallelujah. The, the evangelist, oh, you know. Like he walks on cloud number 10. He's among the angels. Get real. Been there. I've been one. Forget it. You're not telling me nothing. They walk in there. Someone's over there. Take me. Then all of a sudden, oh, God. Have to sit in service, Lord. Oh, sit down your fire. You're telling me you're going to render something more to a man than what you do, God? He never died for you, shed no blood for you, or could remit any of your sin. I don't care how great of a preacher, camp meeting preacher, conference preacher he is. He's not done one ounce for you except preach the word, and you're going to render more to him than what you do, the one that saved your soul from a devil's hell. Shame on me. Every once in a while, it's just good to show off for daddy. Every once in a while, it's just good to show off for daddy. Perhaps sometimes the stump in having a constant prayer life is because there's nobody to show off for when you're with their that audience of one. I don't have to have my kids around or my wife around to be able to enter into that audience of one and have supplication with him and get as loud as I am right now when nobody else is around and nobody's hearing it be. I don't have to have anybody else. All I need is him. Why? Because I'm in love with him. I desire him. I'm panning after him and I need him every day. I need his word. I need a self-revelation. I need a new revelation. I need some fresh oil and it's gonna come from God. It's gonna come from God. My salvation is hinging on that. I need God. Hilabokotolabahaya. 
Look at the word of the Lord. Look at the word of the Lord. This is, this is very important here. This is very important right here. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter number 10, in verse, verse number 40, 40 and 41, babe. And anybody listen by podcast, the babe is my wife behind. Put up the scriptures right now. That or a pig. You understand. Someone understands. Never mind. You didn't get it. The Bible states these words. What is happening here? Peter's went to the house of Cornelius. All right. He's been summoned by three men, three Gentiles. The blanket has been dropped three times to him. There's a bunch of unclean beasts upon it. They never ate anything like that. The Lord basically said, in a nice whatever, or, or, or Peter, whatever I've called clean, call it not unclean. Take free, eat. Three times it happened. Because there's going to be three men that were Gentile race that's going to show up before his door. They said, hey, our master wanted us to come and get you. He had a vision. Amen. He needs to hear what the word of the Lord would say through you. He goes to the house. He tells him. He says, you understand, folks, this isn't normal for me to be in your house. This is improper. But God has already came to me in a vision and showed me thus and so. And so I'm here. And they said, well, we called for you for this reason. We want to know what God has for you to say to us. It's almost like those times when a prophet looks at you and says, speak. And you're like, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He knows what I'm saying. He does. Peter. Peter's here and he begins to speak and he, he's talking about the Lord. He's talking about the death of the Savior. He's talking about his burial and he says, him, speaking of Christ Jesus, God raised up the third day and look now, and shewed him openly. Look at the next verse. Not, look, this is important. Shewed him openly, not to all the people. He died, was buried, and he resurrected, but God shewed him not to everybody. But to witness chosen beforehand, before of God. In other words, God already had some witness beforehand chosen that he was going to show Jesus to after his resurrection. But look what Peter says. Not as though they were among the, the, those that were pre-chosen, but he says, even to us. Who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. You know what Peter's saying? Peter's saying, before death, burial, and resurrection, we had fellowship with God. Before death, burial, and resurrection, we had fellowship with Jesus. Besides the Sea of Galilee, we fellowshiped with him. Up in the mountain, we fellowshiped with him. We ate where he ate. We slept where he slept. We were taught of him. We fellowshiped with him. But just because he went to the tomb, when all the externals seemed as though they were dead. We didn't stop fellowship. But there was a fellowship that went beyond the grave. And he says, I'm not just going to show myself to those I predetermined, but I'll show myself to those that want to have fellowship with. That when all the surface things, all the external things seem dead, they say we're still going to fellowship because we have a belief of a promise that it's not over, not over, not over yet. We're... Someone say amen. He didn't show himself to everybody. I want you to understand that. 
world, the story is this. He'll show himself to those who want to have fellowship with him. Who are those? Those are the Psalms 42 Davids that's saying, my heart panneth. After thee, God, like the heart that panneth after the water brooks. That's me. My soul desire, Lord, is unto you. God says, if you desire that, and that's how hungry you are for me, he says, I'll show myself to you. Scripture speaks, I believe it is in the Proverbs, where it speaks of the Proverbs, basically, and this is paraphrased, strictly paraphrased, but it basically says this, to a hungry man, every bitter thing is sweet. But somebody that has an appetite, the rage and beast of hunger inside of them, they can eat the bitter and it tastes sweet to them. Why? Because they're so hungry. That almost anything at that point in time is tasting really good. God, help me. Help me. I'm so hungry for you that if everything just isn't on the 10th power like I'd like it to be when we come to church, Brother Mason hits a few keys that's off on the keyboard and the singing's just a little off key and the preacher doesn't quite have it all together in his sermon. Let me be so hungry for you that that within itself seems like something so insurmountable concerning being able to satisfy my soul because I didn't come for them. I didn't come for his playing. I didn't come for his singing. I didn't even come for the preacher's preaching though it gives me a revelation. I came for God. came to show off for God. Everybody all right? In a recent study it was said that some of the things that people do when they wake up in the morning in today's generation, 54% of people across the nation when they wake up in the morning, first thing they do is look at their phone. 54% 54% look at their phone for various reasons. Some people, because they're trying to find the right button to turn the snooze back on. For other people, they're wanting to see what the weather's going to be like that day. Others are already wanting to get a glimpse of the news of what happened during the night while they were sleeping. Somebody's wanting to watch a video that may be the new craze video viral. Maybe it's for, they're getting their little appetite of entertainment. Others want to see what somebody else posted on their post to see if they can keep their self-esteem for that day. Now this is where bad turns to worse. Because they say in their study that 74% admit to that they'll go before their phone before they had any daily devotions in their life. 74%. Seventy-four percent. We live in a social world that we gain or we perhaps gauge a lot of who and what we are based upon the interaction in that social world. Someone hear me clearly right now. Based a lot of, of what goes on in our lives or who or what we are based upon that social interaction in that world. We have more venues today to stay connected, yet we're more disconnected as a society than we've ever been in our entire lifetime. Because we're deceived into believing that these tech conversations that we have, 
These, the perusal of posts and the pictures that people have are tangible encounters when in reality they are not. And this is not only, listen to me, this is not, not only affecting our natural social economy, it's affecting our spiritual economy as well. And if you think I'm preaching against these things, I'm not, but I'm saying they all have their proper place. Because we don't watch ourselves, we can mistake in our tweets about God. Our little scripted thought verses on Instagram concerning the Bible. Our Facebook proclamations heralding the good news as a spiritual encounter with God. But if you bring up your Instagram and you posted a verse the past 365 days in some scripted font with a nice nature background, that by no means constitutes you having an encounter with God. Oh, someone say, help me, Lord Jesus. And so we can mistake in some of these things as venues as having satisfied our relational interactions with the divine. And that's not the case. And listen to me, I, I, I'd be bad to say that I don't support every tool that we have afforded us to propagate his message and propagate the gospel. We should and do that. But none of these things are viable substitutes for prayer. None of these things are viable substitutes for devotion. We may have went very social for God, but that can never replace the calling to that secret place where we should shut the door and pray and enter our closet and long for him. You'll stand with me this evening. <laughs> David says, I long for I long for God. David says, I hunger for God. David says, My desire is to the Lord. Where are you at right now, David? I, I don't know. I don't know exactly where he was, but he must have been somewhere else besides there. And he was saying, I long for that. I yearn for that. I hunger for that. In other words, there's, there's nothing else that can compare to that right now. Anything else that would sweep across my life, that, that is really of no concern. It's just, it's just me being with the Lord, in the presence of the Lord, being able to entertain that presence and being able to get a, self a new, fresh revelation from God. If I, just, if I just get to God's house, I long for it. I pan after it. That's where my hunger is. That's where my thirst is. Folks, I believe, I believe. The world is waxing worse and worse. The church is going to have to wax better and better. But it will not happen if we feed on the same thing that the world feeds on. We are fools. We are fooling ourselves if we think we can happen. If it can happen without the word of God. Without, amen, frequenting the house of God. Without finding places of devotion and finding places of interaction with the Lord. You got to push all that other stuff aside. Gotta let the zeal of his house consume you. Let the zeal of his house consume you. That little article of that church of 140 some odd years old that closed the doors. They told early on about the history of that church. Families without horse and buggy at its early onset. I know we hear this of our old folks and they were like, ah, blah, blah, blah. We got air conditioning and heating now. That, that ain't really the whole scope of things. The whole scope of thing is this. Talked about those little families 
mother and father and children twice on Sundays walking three and four miles to church. And I know they were regulated by what was available in that day. But let's see what we're regulated by in our day. I just recently bought a vehicle that's got heated seats. DVD entertainment system for my kids. Leather. Nice interior. Doesn't leak when it rains. It's warm in the, warm in the winter and it's cold in the summer. And I live a whole bit of five minutes from this church. Some of you have same if not similar driving conditions. But none of us, at least I don't think here late, except for maybe Brother Pat every once in a while rides the bicycle or has to walk. What in the world would possess them? Some of them to do an eight-mile round trip twice a day. more than the other bits of their family that went there. I guarantee it wasn't the padded pews they had because they lacked it. It wasn't their heating or their air conditioning. And it wasn't because they had the most grand facility and probably back then, probably not the best at playing and stuff as we have today. You know what it was that hadn't changed 145 years ago till now? God. The driving force. I can't believe they did that. Well, you're basing your frequenting upon your comforts rather than you are your God then. If you can't believe it, you're basing it upon your comforts rather than your God. We got our comforts now. We can get to church without it. Yeah, but you know what we do instead? We'll enjoy the comforts we have at home. This old world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. When they lay this body in a casket, that DVD system in that car is remaining in that car. The air conditioned my home is remaining there. My motorcycle is staying in the shed. We live life as though things are going to be what saves us. You know, there's hardly a person. Let me say it like this. I don't recall anybody in the past probably five years that I've ever laid in a casket. That everybody surrounding that casket. Once I tell you what, it's going to be great them getting to heaven. Everybody that I see laid in the casket is going to heaven. 
Everybody's going to heaven. Everybody's going to heaven. So I guess God in his infinite wisdom and knowledge made hell in vain. He made it for the devil really, but we understand the scripture says, we understand scripture says. Huh? Straight is the gate. Narrow is the way. Few there be that find it. If it's straight and narrow and you're going to find it, it's probably going to be because you're looking for it. Somebody's got a desire. Somebody's got... This is not the scenario it's going to be. Death happens. You wake, you're walking on streets and go, and you're like, whew, boy, I just can't believe I made it here. No. No, somewhere before the departure in this life, a rapture ever takes place. There's going to be a groaning of hungry people. Groaning of hungry people that's desirous of the things that be of God at whatever cost it takes. At whatever cost it takes. They're hungering for him. They're desiring him. They're wanting to get to his house. They're wanting to hear his word. Preacher, you've preached to repentance a thousand times. Preach it a thousand and one because I had to have that to get to where I am. Preach it, 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 preach it. Oh, let's bow our heads all across this place. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.